I think it's really important to look at one another's giftings and what do you need out of a coach? If you've got a certain strength and a coach has the same strength, is that the direction you want to go in to maybe develop that strength further? Or are you looking for someone like iron sharpens iron, someone that's got a different strength than you to play off of. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason J. Lou Lewis. Today, I'm excited because... People that are coming on, they classify themselves as real estate generalists. If you've listened to one of my recent podcasts, I highlighted the pros and cons of being a real estate generalist to being a real estate specialist. And our guests, Jeremy Sheldon and Anne-Marie Sheldon, classify themselves as my fellow comrades in the real estate generalist category, which I love because a lot of our People that come on are specialists in one area, so I'm excited to chat real estate in general with my guest, Jeremy and Anne-Marie. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us, Jason. It's an honor. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'll give a quick little snapshot of why I'm having Jeremy and Anne-Marie on here. Normally, we do have just one guest, but I wanted them both on here as they're a husband and wife team that's doing a lot of cool stuff in a lot of different aspects of real estate. So I think no matter where you are within your real estate career or focus, there'll be some items today, little tidbits that they can share that everyone can learn. So pilot, I'm actually going to let them kind of tell because there is a ton. They're pilot, they're doing pilot long-term rental crash pads for other pilots in the real estate sector. They're moving to Anchorage to potentially build a wellness center, healness or a healing and wellness ranch for military veterans with PTSD. They have six children. That's a couple of full-time jobs in itself right there. So they've done passive income and others, people's projects. Now they're being playing more of an active role and raising the capital and such. So a lot that we're going to unpack today. I'm excited for it. So if one of you guys would like to jump in and just kind of tell us your your background, how you guys started in the real estate investing and, and a little bit about your your journey and where you guys are are today. Sure, I can start. We started back in 2015. We started with a single family rental like a lot of people do, more out of the military lifestyle where you have to move because you know you're you're you've got the next set of orders. So it wasn't a good time to sell our house. So we rented it. That turned out to be great because we got it on a short sale and then rented it. Market went way up and sold it at a high point. So that kind of tweaked our interest as well as in the meantime, Jeremy had been reading lots of books on real estate, apartment syndicating, you know, just the whole concept of cash flow, tax savings, all those things. He'd shared them with me. I wasn't as interested because we were juggling the military life, six kids, moving. We moved, we've moved 18 times in the last, you know, 21 years. So I was thinking, how can we take on another project, right? We're always moving. But in 2019, we went to a conference and it was there that my mindset was changed. We heard about all the ways you can make money in real estate and just, you know, met a great uh, group of people. And I just started to realize that, you know, it's an amazing industry and, 
And at that point, we looked at each other and kind of reflected back on our dream of having, you know, some land, some cabins where we could have veterans or people that need restoring and have some type of a healing center there. And we talked about that when we were first married, but there was, it was just like a pie in the sky dream. And so at that point, we looked at each other and Jeremy said, well, what if this is the vehicle? What if this is the way for that dream? And he also said, you know, money is a tool. And that really spoke to my heart. <clears throat> so finally, I came on board and uh, we were all in at that point. We started going down the passive multifamily route. The easiest way was just to kind of pull money out of our savings, out of, out of stocks. And, you know, let's see what real estate can do. So we ended up in over a year's time and over 2000 doors passively. And then we decided, okay, we want to be sponsors, but we don't want to jump into this too quickly. We want to learn. We want to have some experience before we're, you know, general partners on a deal. And so we bought some apartments locally. We here in Western New York, and we've worked with those on our own asset managing those working with our property management company, you know, making our own, you know, you know, successes and failures on our own mistakes and learning from those. Then from there, we started to look into joint venturing, which we're, we're doing now in a deal in Nebraska. And Jeremy then transitioned from the Air Force from being there 24 years to flying for UPS. And that domicile is Anchorage, Alaska. So make a long story short, he's flying out of Anchorage and having to stay there part time. So we looked into where can he stay other than paying for a hotel room every time he's up there realized there was a shortage of, if you would say, I guess, long-term, short-term housing for pilots in the Anchorage area and thought, okay, well, let's purchase a home on our own. Let's rent it to other pilots. And then that way, Jeremy's staying for free and we're cash flowing. See how it goes. It went really well. We went for a second one. Now we're looking for a third. So that's kind of where we're at now. That's great. That's an exciting journey and a lot that's happened in six, five, six, seven years or so since 2015. So congrats to you guys and on that success. And it sounds like you guys have done it pretty strategic. You were a little, one was excited about it. The other one wasn't, but you didn't dive into it and upset the other one. You kind of, you know, took that time and went to those classes and then both you guys got excited and then you dove into it passively and then now a little more actively and looking to go, Sounds like mostly all active in the way of the investing. So especially if you're looking to do the wellness type of deal, I'm I'm guessing that's going to be a pretty hands-on venture in itself, both from the capital standpoint and just the day-to-day operations. So um, that's a unique and very valuable tool. And I just want to highlight the the fact you said and it hit home with me is is money as a tool. So I think a lot of people, if you didn't come from money have a hang up that money and being wealthy and rich is a bad thing. It's the Wall Street person you see on TV that's the bad person that that does bad things. And as someone who's a farm kid that grew up in a farming community, my dad went bankrupt and the bank took the farm and stuff. I've always been bitter about the money and never will do that. And that's one of the biggest like turning points. And I'm still hung up on it, but I'm getting better is that money and being wealthy, rich, whatever the term is, is if done right, can be more valuable than not making that money because you're making it and doing good, doing a wellness ranch that maybe someone else that would have made that money, done that deal, would have spent it on a a car or something frivolous. So I think it wasn't what kind of the topic of this 
podcast is going to be, but that really hit home when you said money is a tool. And I think I'll follow up if money is a tool, if handled correctly, you know, a wrench can be thrown and hurt someone or a wrench can fix a broken piece of machinery. So it sounds, I'm excited for you guys that using that wrench to, to fix, you know, something that's, I hate to say broken, but PTSD, you know, is, is something that is a difficult thing and um, that needs to have some attention brought to it. So congrats for that. I'm excited for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I was just going to piggyback memory, you know, hit, hit all the, the points, but I think the other piece that we've really tried to focus is on the education piece. And I, you know, we've, we've heard that a lot throughout our, uh, our time that, that money spent on education as well. You know, I, I think some people, you know, try to, you know, treat real estate as a sprint. We really look at it as it's a marathon and part of a marathon is the training and really the training is, is the coaching and the education. And it's, it's not cheap, you know, it, to get the, the correct education, to, to mentor with folks that have been down the road ahead of you, you know, you, you need to, you know, pay them for their skills. And, and so we've felt that's been important through the, the initial group we joined in Dallas to a personal coach that we've had to a, a mastermind group that we're part of. Each one of those, just like money is another tool in your tool bag that helps you as you go down this journey with evaluating different options, different opportunities that we just kind of would have been blind to if we hadn't had that coaching. And I think it, in my opinion, it gives, gives you credibility when you can say, Hey, I've been coached by somebody that's been in the industry for 20 years. So when I do, or Amory has the opportunity to talk to folks, especially capital raising and that type of stuff, it's, it's a comfort level to know that uh, you just, you just didn't, read about this on YouTube or podcast, but you've actually put time and effort into learning the trade and getting the education so that uh, you know you know kind of how to navigate the journey and the things that come up in real estate. Because there are a lot of unknowns, as, as you're well aware of, that can come up and having folks that have gone before you to help navigate those is, is a, uh, a big part of that. That's great. Really appreciate jumping in. Another item that we weren't going to really, you know, dive into that wasn't in the show notes in advance, but I would like to spend a couple of minutes because I'm trying to look back and figure out if we've done a podcast just on like the insights of how to choose a mentor or what education. And I, I know I haven't done one. Maybe uh, my co-host Adam Adam has at some point, but if you could maybe share maybe three, four, five, just tips or tricks or insight of maybe experience shares for you going through that education process that you maybe like to share with someone else. If that's just money or if have you, do you have a budget for that? Or how do you decide to do the mastermind or not? Maybe which one that you do. So I'd love if that's okay with you to kind of sidetrack a, a second and share some tips with the listeners. I can share a little bit on that. The one thing I think we look at too is what what are your personal goals? Because people will come to us and say, how do I get into real estate? Jeremy flies with a lot of pilots. They want to get in. They, they have high taxes. How can I you know, alleviate my tax burden? Well, you know, can I just invest with you? But then you know, the real estate professional thing comes in. So we kind of go through with people. What are your goals? What are you trying to get out of it? What do you want to do with your money? Are you, are you into preservation? Are you wanting cash flow? Are you wanting, are you in the long run for things? So what do, what are your needs right now? And so that's one thing. And I'll say too, are you looking for 
you know, a chance to eventually meet people, network, and maybe lead out a deal? Or would you just rather, you know, follow along passively where you could have a personal coach one-on-one that could help you with, you know, strategizing and understanding the, the investing world and strategizing your own your own business model, as opposed to getting into a large group and going to conferences and having, you know, that side of it, if you're more of an active sponsor. Were there any groups or mentors or such that you attended or were hired that maybe didn't work out that you could share some lessons learned with our listeners? I don't think we have. I mean, like I say, I mean, we're, we're fairly new. We try to do our due diligence uh, before we, you know, you jump in and, and look at the reviews and that type of stuff. But actually, we've been blessed with each group that we've been part of, the syndication group, the personal mentoring, the mastermind. Each one of them has brought different tools into the tool bag. And we really look as it's a value, you know, what kind of value are they providing? So I think for your listeners, you got to look at it is once again, go back to the money as a tool, but that tool is, is enabling you to gain what, you know, and I try to compare it to, you know, going to college or something like that. You know, you're, you're going to pay for the education. If you're going to become a doctor or whatever, you got to think that, you know, real estate in and of itself is a profession and to really get good at it and to understand it, the nuances of it, it's going to be really difficult just to pick that up off podcasts and YouTube and that type of stuff. And so paying folks to help guide you along that, that road. And that's really when Emory and I had the conversation to join different groups as we really targeted what, what holes and where do we need to grow to be able to understand this in the future. And so I think for your listeners, it is, it's going, well, I just want to get into a deal. Well, great, get into a deal. But if you don't fully understand the, the aspects of that deal, because you don't have the education then you really, it's pretty risky. You know, it's like getting into, you know, stocks and not understanding them. That can be pretty risky. And so that, that would be my thought is we've been pretty, pretty blessed so far, but we've done our due diligence before we've joined the groups. And I, yeah, and I think another thing to kind of caveat on that is that we started out in a very large group of a thousand, a network of a thousand people with very large gatherings and, and educational sessions and bus tours which was amazing because that gave us a network immediately to start receiving 506B investments. And we were just getting lots and lots of opportunities to deploy our money passively, which we did quite quickly in the first year. Then we could we were able to learn from a lot of those uh, sponsors. Then we realized, you know what, we want to do something locally so we can understand asset management, as I mentioned earlier. Well, how are we going to do that? We need a coach to kind of work with us one-on-one to strategize our investments here and how we're managing them and what we should do next. So that's when we looked for a personal coach. And then the, the characteristics we looked for was what resonates with our philosophy. And that is, you know, balancing family and balancing business. So for us, you know, Jeremy also still had a W-2 job. So we're not, you know, both full-time, you know, into real estate. So how, how are we going to find that balance? And we wanted a coach that was very seasoned. So we ended up with, you know, Anna Kelly, who's amazing because she has four children. She had a corporate job. She eventually left her job. She's able to balance those things and she has a strong faith, you know, and that matters a lot to us as well, that somebody is, you know, grounded and also giving back in real estate. You know, she has a, a business that also gives back. So that was really important to us, that philosophy, that personal strategizing in our business. And then we moved into the mastermind group because we wanted to do a joint venture. So when you're personally working with a coach, there's not as much, you know, ability to have those, those groups, those larger groups to get those partnerships. 
And we've been away from the group we started with initially on all the passive investing. So we thought, let's get into a mastermind where we can find like-minded people that want to do the 20 units, 40 units, 100 units and grow there and form those partnerships and learn how to capital raise. And that was Marco Barbero and Hadar Orkabi. They have a wonderful MIH mastermind group that they, they work on. It's like a family and they work on pairing people up. They're like, I think this investor would work well with this investor or you are both in the same location or I can see that you're strong in capital raising, you know, you're strong in underwriting, you would both make a good team. And they work super hard at, it's not just a once, once a month, let's get together and share, you know, our ups and downs, and then we're done in an hour. It's, you know, they're actually, aside from those monthly sessions, we're getting together for extra sessions and extra meetings, and they're getting people together, and then there's subgroups happening. So that's been very dynamic. And that's been an excellent way for us to go to our next goal, which was joint venturing. That's great. Awesome insight. I'm excited just hearing these different things. So I, I went the different route. I, I just started when I was a kid, just grinding and kind of hustling away. I, I went to farm auctions as a kid and I knew right away at like seven, eight years old, I wanted to own land and stuff, but then you can't make money on farm ground. So it got in in college into doing real estate, but I just, I never did any of those and they weren't around. I, I got in, I got licensed 2003 when I was like 19, 20 years old and sophomore in college. So there, there wasn't bigger pockets. There wasn't books. You just kind of did it. I house hacked my first house. I, I just three bedroom and I went and just did it. And I room rented it. And then I just kind of hacked it. And it's it's been good, It's but it's 15, 20 years. And I'm guessing if I would have gone your guys' route, it would have been maybe compressed into that six or seven. So I'm excited to hear when others have taken a different route. And also that's the power of real estate. You can go it both ways. It's just whichever one works works best for you guys. So and you mind, and only if you 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 want to or such, it sharing any insight on the cost because I know a lot of people when you hear masterminds, you hear coaching, you're just like, oh, I don't have the the money for that. You know, they'll go to college and rack up fifty k, hundred k in debt, but then you know they're really hesitant to spend five grand or fifty grand on a real estate coaching. So only only if you want to share any insight on the monetary or or your thought process behind it. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Um, it is. It's not cheap. Once again, we have looked at it as it's an investment into your experience. It's an investment into you being able to present yourself you know, at a higher level. And so our initial group that we joined uh, out of Dallas, uh, Sumrock, we joined at the lower level and that was $8,000. Our personal coach uh, with Anna Kelly was uh, about $12,000. And then uh, the mastermind for a year is, uh, is $6,000. And, and we're probably going to join another mastermind with uh, Anna Kelly this summer when we're done, because I, we really believe in, in continuous education because the landscape is continuing to change. And so these, you call them heavy hitters, you know, the ones that are in it daily, there's new things coming up as the market shifts. If you're not part of that, you could miss out on opportunities. And so we really do think that that's, that's just part of the plan going forward is continuing to make those connections, continuing to be part of those groups to continue to, you know, keep, you know, the process going. Yeah. Stuff. That's great. And if you really think about it, I think the the stat is the average millennial that's come out of college is coming out with, I think it's 38,000 in debt, might be 28,000, 28 or 38,000. Either way, 
essentially a college education over this time frame in real estate, less than the average millennials coming out of college. If you say I have twenty-eight or $38,000 in student debt, no one's blinking an eye. Oh, wow. Great. Congrats. You went to college, this and that. But if you tell the average person you spent $28,000 on real estate courses, you're going to be a lot of the average person going to, whoa, that's, that's a lot of money. But I'm guessing that your ROI, your return on investment of what you've made dollar per dollar it isn't even comparable to your real estate twenty some thousand versus twenty some thousand and you know a college education. That'd be my guess. I think the average semester in college right now, like in state in Colorado, it's like fifteen grand or something like that. So, so anyway, so no, you're exactly right, and that, that's how we look at it as well. Is will this education what will it do to our cash flow? And you're exactly right. I mean, we're approaching the you know, the 250,000 a year in, in income coming in just off of real estate, you know, now obviously there's a lot of expenses associated with, with that as well. But when you look back on that and you go, okay, well, this is the money we spent to get that education. That's the kind of job you would have to have essentially to cover all your expenses. And so I think it's money well spent to be able to, to be able to talk to brokers, to be able to go to a bank and, and be legitimate to get those types of loans and, and all that type of stuff. You know, if, if you don't have that experience and you can't talk the talk, and, and we've heard this multiple times, brokers just aren't going to give you the time of day. Banks aren't going to give you the time of day. You know, you're going to have a difficult time getting into this, this ecosystem because there are so many others that are putting the money into it that are experienced have the knowledge to be able to, to carry that forward. Yeah. One last kind of stat, just to like give people a comparison. It's over 250,000 that the average, my wife's a dentist and we work with a lot of dentists. So the average dentist is coming out of dental school with over 250 upwards of $500,000 in student debt. You know, the average dentist starting salary here in Denver, if you work for one of the corporate, you know, dentistries is about 138,000. So you just said that you're, you're what you've produced with a little over 20,000 in education and a lot of hustle and, and work, but that's is producing around 125,000. So, and it didn't take three or four years of, of dental school of lost. You were making money at your guys's jobs at the same time you were building 120. If you really throw that into a calculator into like an IRR and do all that, the number of where you will be versus your 20,000 versus a 250 to 500,000 plus four years of lost you know earnings over a lifetime until you're 65, I bet is massive millions. I mean, I'm guessing millions of dollars delta between the two and the power. I think that's what you guys saw. I think Anne-Marie, you went to that original class and saw the power of real estate. And I think right there is an example of it. If you run those numbers um, the difference between that, you guys will be way further ahead than a dentist going to dental school, making what they're making. So yeah, it's that's the power of it. Well, and Jason, just to, to piggyback on that, and this is a conversation I have a lot of with my colleagues when, I, when I'm out flying, because they are in a very high tax bracket and they're, they're, they're writing bigger checks to the government than a lot of people earn in, a, in an annual salary. But I go, they're... Tom Wilwright, who's you know one of uh, Robert Kiyosaki's uh, TPA advisors, you know he talks about you know there are only certain areas where the government is going to give you tax breaks to certain investments where they're going to give you tax breaks. One of those is real estate. One of those is providing housing. And if you choose to go down those roads, as Tom talks about, you know, in the tax laws, 
then you're going to be able to harvest those kind of tax breaks. But the government, in my opinion, is not going to give you tax breaks to invest in the stock market. They're not going to give you investment tax breaks to invest in other areas. And so if you choose to follow those paths where the government's going to give you tax breaks, you know, that in and of itself is also an incentive that's going to help you know, reduce your tax burden. And now you're able to take that money. And that's part of the conversations I have is, would you rather write a $200,000 check to the government and let them spend it? Or would you rather get into something the government wants you to be in and take that 200000 and build your, you know, your long-term wealth generation. For sure. The power of 1031 exchange and all of the other aspects of it. So, yeah. well, I'm super excited for this episode. We've, I think we've spent a little over 15, 20 minutes on the education, which I is awesome. I was not expecting it. I was expecting <laughs> to come in here and get a talk about house hacks with uh, pilot homes and aviation and Anchorage, as some of the people, you know, probably listen to prior episodes, I've pilot myself and own a few hangars and a few airplanes and just kind of hacked those and bought a plane in Alaska and Anchorage and flew it back and all this. So I was excited to dive into that, which is relevant to a lot of people unless they're a pilot or interested. So I'm just really glad we got into this education. So before we quickly kind of dive into maybe the the kind of the hack that you guys are doing for the pilots. I think that's unique. The podcast is called Creative Real Estate Podcast, and that is about as creative as you can get. So before we do that, is there any last things to wrap up on the education that you guys like to share? Because what you guys have shared, it's been valuable to me and I'm, I'm almost guaranteed it's been valuable to our listeners. So anything else you would like to share out there about the education or motivation around that aspect? I think one thing it's not directly about the education, but it kind of is in a sense that a lot of times we're going into these things with a spouse or a partner. And I have seen, you know, quite a few times that one is really excited and passionate about real estate and has got the bug. And the other one is, you know, leery or fearful, or maybe just, just doesn't understand and is not really fully on board. Then I think that can cause, you know, distension in a relationship. So I think it's really it's really important in the education piece to see if you can bring your spouse or partner into that, you know, in a gentle way, like we said earlier. And I think it's really important to look at one another's giftings. And, you know, again, what do you need out of a coach? If you're, if you've got a certain strength and a coach has the same strength, is, is that the direction you want to go in to maybe develop that strength further? Are you looking for someone like iron sharpens iron, you know, someone that's got a different strength than you to play off of? And so it is in a relationship as well. And so I just think it's it's really important to tie in that education piece with whoever you're doing business with, right? So that you're on the same page and you're on the same direction as you're getting the coaching. That's great. Having both you guys on the same page, or at least if you aren't on the same page, recognizing that in advance uh, is is pretty powerful. I think that's even a, a partnership, even if it's not husband and wife and you guys meet at right. one of those masterminds and you are the underwriter, they are the the face of it to go raise the capital, making sure you guys are kind of on the same page when you're partnering up that way. Because I, I see that a lot. They go to the masterminds, they connect up, they live in different cities, and now they're raising capital and, and putting a project under contract and and doing the zooms and doing all that, even though they're they're not local and you know don't truly you know know each other on a long term basis. So, so yeah, so it's great great wisdom. So yeah, we'll share, share that with. But one thing I wanted to say about that yeah. is we will share that with with people that want to partner with us, people that don't know real estate but are excited about it. They're on board. They they've got the mindset. They want to do it, and they're like, when can we get on a deal together? 
well, we're cautious about that. And often we'll say, you know, you need to check out these, you know, you don't have to do use the coach we had, but you do need to look into how do you want to educate? What format do you want to go through? We kind of kind of share with them our experiences. But I, I do think, again, like you just mentioned, the, that you also, if you've got people new to it, you want to also point them in the right direction. It's great. Man, I could keep going on and dropping, <laughs> dropping these awesome uh, insights. It's because this is it is. It's all about sharing your experience and your guys' experience with the education has led you to where you are. So, okay, let's dive in. If you guys can tell me, you're a pilot, the crash pad, one of my partners, I have a, a Mooney plane and I know a Cessna, but my Mooney partner is a pilot and he is moving to, and this is how we got connected. We helped him buy a house and is selling his house here in Denver, and he's moving to Las Vegas. Since he hasn't bought his house yet, it's still in a contract. He's been using a crash pad. So that's all he can talk about now. He's like, I need to move to Vegas and buy a crash pad. This guy is, he said he's going to pay off his house in three years. This is crazy. So he's a pilot, wanting to buy a crash pad. I saw your guys' stuff, and I'm like, I got to get him on and talk about crash pad, and we haven't. So creatively, tell me the in a few minutes, just a synopsis of kind of how the pros, cons, ins and outs, anything you like to share about the creativeness of a crash pad. And I'll caveat that real quick with it's ski season. I do the similar for houses in the mountains for ski share. I have like 12 people that had unlimited access. It's a you know check-in on a Facebook group and you come and go and I just bunk the house out and people just go up there and they can stay in a million and a half dollar home for 400 bucks a month. I still get a cash flow and don't have to worry about Airbnb be and all of that. So it's similar to this, to the, uh, the crash pad, but I do it ski. You're doing a pilot. Tell us, tell us about it. Yeah. Thanks Jason. And you're exactly right. It's a very similar model. Like a lot of people could also equate it to like uh, the student housing model. Um, but uh, for instance, um, the one I stay at, it's a, uh, it's a three bedroom, two bath uh, do townhouse. We have two sets of bunk beds in each bedroom. They rent a bed. It's a dedicated bed from us per month. We put them on a, a year lease. And for first-year folks, because uh, pay is pretty tough, first-year folks in any airline, we give them a, a bit of a discount to get them in. And then we bump the, the rents uh, the next month. So right now, off of our three-bedroom, two-bath townhouse, which we purchased for about uh, $250,000, we are getting uh, 3600 a month in rent for this first year. If everybody goes to a second year, it'll bump it up to about forty five hundred a month for uh, cash flow per month. Now, obviously, that's work, you know we take care of all the expenses, you know, the mortgage, all those types of things. Expenses, including the mortgage, run just around twenty two hundred a month. So, when you look at that from a, a business perspective, that's that's a pretty good uh, return on investment. You know, we're approaching fifty percent. One of the things this is really a good cash flow model. It's not a good uh, forced depreciation model because obviously we know single families. You know, you're just not going to even with that kind of rent that's coming in, you're not going to be able to increase the value of the property. So when we talk to people that are interested in investing with us. We really talk to them about, you know, if, if you're interested in cash flow, this is a deal to get into. If you're looking for appreciation, this is not something that's uh, going to appreciate, you know, I mean, except just with the market, you know. So, and, and we're doing the similar, um, the house that I'm in right now, it's a, it's a four bedroom, two bath. We have uh, 18 beds in here. They're all rented. Uh, it took us about three weeks to get them all rented. That one's going to, you know, cash flow north of five. And then by year two, it'll be north of six um, a month. So 
part of the cash or part of the crash pad model that we have looked at though is it it really has to be unique probably more to the city than the um, the actual area because what you're really targeting is locations where it's tough to get home after you would land from a trip so if, if a pilot is say based out of Chicago well, there, there's potentially where the individual could land at, say, four in the afternoon, and they can still catch a flight at the end of their trip at like six or seven at night and get home. So they wouldn't need to stay. The challenge with Anchorage is a lot of our flights come in at, at weird hours. You know, I'm talking to UPS, FedEx, Alaska's got a base up here, Horizon's got a base up here. A lot of these folks get done with a trip, but then there's no flights to get them back down to the lower 48 where they may live. So at the beginning and the end of their trips, they're kind of forced to have to come up here a day early and they're forced to have to leave a day after their trip, which then drives them to have to have a location to stay. Now you can, comp- so I would say our, our main competition is the hotels. I'll give you a, for example, of one of our tenants that just moved in here. So he came in a couple of days ago, landed at about midnight, called the hotel. Obviously there was um, the hotel folks were cleaning. They didn't answer their phone. He waited there for an hour finally got a hold of them to come pick him up and finally got to the hotel. They'd already canceled his room because they didn't think he was coming. So the beauty of if the, the crash pad model, obviously we don't have a car that's going to come pick you up, but Uber up here runs uh, you know, 24-7. But you know you've got a place to go. You've got a bed. Any time of day or night, you can get into the place. It's got a kitchen. It's got a living room. You know We've got all the, the modern conveniences, the high-speed Wi-Fi. It's professionally cleaned. Uh, twice a month, both of our places are. So all that stuff is taken care of. And it's really just peace of mind for when they're coming up here and when they're leaving, that they know they don't have to worry about coordinating to get a hotel. And in the summertime up here, and as, as you well know, Jason, mm-hmm. it's tough to get a, a hotel and you're going to pay anywhere from 250 to $300 a night for a hotel room. So when you bounce that off of you know $300 for a month for your own dedicated bed, you can use it however much you want. It's really a, a pretty good value proposition for these folks to be able to have this. So, so that's kind of what we're exploring. We've been blessed so far. Like I say, we, we, had, we started the one last fall. It filled up in about uh, two and a half weeks. We closed on this one in uh, late January and it was, it was full in three weeks. That's great. So for the listeners, you had mentioned a force appreciation. Just want to quickly dive into that. Like you know, you're getting cash flow, but you double the rent because the comp, if you go to reappraise it and want to do a cash out refire, sell it, even though you've doubled what you normally could get on a, on a normal long-term rental, they're going to use a comp-based approach. And that's why he was talking about forced depreciation. It, you're only, you're, you're maxed out of what the house next door sold for, no matter if you've doubled the rent or not. Whereas commercial, where it's based on the cap rate, if you double your rent and you go to sell that with the crash pad in place, then, and everything's selling for a, say a five cap, if you've doubled the revenue, you've essentially doubled the value because people are willing to buy it on a five cap basis. So you've essentially doubled it by doubling the revenue and that's the power of commercial, but there's a lot more variables. It's, you know, you can't get fixed financing. A lot of times there's a lot more variables to it. So that's, what the the value of something like this? I'm guessing you guys maybe got to fix thirty year, you know, financing. There's a lot more, there's less variables. So um, yeah, we did. We were blessed, yeah. and and actually the first one, the the townhouse, we were able to claim that as our second home. Yep. yep. Because 
that is where I stay when I'm up here. So we're able to get into that with just 10% down, Yeah, which, you know, I mean, that's just- Yeah, you'd be looking at 25. If it was a commercial project or multifamily, you'd probably be looking at 25%. So plus a five, three, five, seven year arm type of type of loan. So um, there's there's pros and cons to it. So I just want to kind of highlight that and also highlight the fact that you guys know what that is. Like you've looked at it and you educate others to say, this is a cash flow. It's not this versus yeah. this is amazing. This will solve the world's problems. This is perfect for you. It might not be. I just want to, again, the education has been amazing, but just the fact that you guys like teach others correctly versus most real estate people is this is the best way you have to do it this way. This is the right way for everyone. I just want to commend you guys of just being normal about it. Like this is great for this. That's it. You know? Yeah. We're trying to be honest with even yeah. with our investors. You know, uh, we had an investor in this, in this uh, deal, we work out the terms, we're giving them 5% on their money and then we're splitting the profits. And so you know, for us, it's it's a great win because we got into it for essentially zero money, but uh, we're also helping out an investor that uh, wanted to get into it. So they provided the down payment and then uh, we're splitting the profits, which I think it'll pencil out. The investor will probably do north of 15% on their, on, you know, when you factor in the, the loan, that we pay them and then splitting the profits. So And you said 15? 15%, yeah, yeah. on, on yeah. the money. Yeah. So cash um, on cash, that's in the stock markets historically returned, you know, 7%. So you're, you're doubling the stock market and you have a hard asset in case something goes wrong or changes. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. and then you're holding the no, the loan in your guys's name, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so that there's no risk, worst case scenario he, there, he's just out or she's out the money. So it's, it's really, stock-esque in that aspect, but real estate-esque is they have the upside of of the real estate and the appreciation and things like that. So, yeah. well- I'm going to share one, one idea too, which is down the road, but was to establish, you know, five or six of these crash pads and then approach the bank and say, okay, we've got a bundle of properties. Can we make this a commercial loan? Can we take this business model, you know, and um and refinance it into that. So that's that's a future thought too. That's great. I like those arcs. We did that with cabins. I bought a, a handful of one-off cabins. They are all next to each other, and they used to be a complex, and they got separated. And I bought now a lot of them individually with like single loans, and was able to burr it and hack it. And now we've rolled those up into a commercial loan and and pulled our capital out. So that's we've done similar. And it's a great it's a great model. I couldn't have. Ford at the time to go buy a whole cabin complex, but through kind of hacking them individually and getting that appreciation pay down. So I like your guys thinking again, going back to how we started it, real estate generalists. So that's the power <laughs> is you guys are getting to hack, you know, your education, your jobs, your, your knowledge, and you got playing involved. You have all this stuff and it's working for you guys. And as you said, it that house might not be the perfect setup for every investor, but it's working for you. And I think that's the, the power of a generalist with, with the right approach is you can take advantage of those opportunities and get creative. And I think it lowers your risk overall. If you're, if you're already creative from the beginning, then you can be creative when 08 happens. So, cause I saw a lot of people that didn't have that skill set or ability that got crushed in 08. 
and the ones that were creative and thinking outside the box from the beginning, weather the storm. And also they were able to take advantage of it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, so exactly. Um, so excited to follow along your guys' journey. If at some point you guys are raising raising some funds or donation or capital for the the wellness ranch or such, I'd love to be on that list and be able to help out. So um that's no, great. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys coming on. So yeah, normally we do final five, but we dove into it. I want to be cognizant of the listeners time and such. So I think what I will do is just call it for this episode. I'm going to have you guys back on uh, when here in a year or two, when you guys have the ranch or have those five properties all rolled up into one and and we get a talk more generalist and what else you've got into at that time. Because I guarantee you, you guys have, have got into a couple more things next time we talk. So. Definitely. Definitely. Right. Well, yes. it's been a Thanks, Jason. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah. It's been wonderful. Thank yeah. you so much. Well, I appreciate it guys. And we'll throw, if it's okay, I'll talk offline with you guys and maybe see if it's okay to throw some of the education um, people and classes that you had talked about in the show notes for others. I don't, you know, only want to do that if you're okay with it and such, but maybe look in the show notes for connections. And then is it okay? Normally ask the end part of the final five is, is the best way for people to reach out to you? Is, is there any, uh, something you'd like to share for them that we can throw in the show notes to reach out to you guys if they have questions? Sure. We have our website, Sparrow, spelled S-P-E-R-O, equity management, and that.com. And Sparrow is uh, Latin for I hope. So that kind of leads into the ranch, as well as we're on LinkedIn, both of us, Facebook and Instagram. So excellent. We'll show the names in the show notes as well as the website. And um, I really appreciate it, guys. Thank yeah, you, Jason. It's been great, Jason. Yeah, Thank you so much yeah we for really appreciate your share our story. Excellent. Well, as always, until next time, my friends, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.